Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the quiet suburbs of Calgary, Canada, a 911 call shattered the tranquility, leading authorities to two homes engulfed in an unspeakable horror. Inside these residences, they discovered scenes that would haunt the community and the nation. Three lives were brutally taken, and an apparent lack of motive would unfold into one of Canada's most shocking criminal cases. This is Monsters. Nestled in the heart of Alberta, the city of Calgary boasts a picturesque landscape framed by the majestic Canadian Rockies. Known for its vibrant culture, diverse communities, and a reputation for safety, Calgary became an unexpected stage for a harrowing case. The city's serene exterior, often associated with its status as a welcoming and tight-knit community, belies the shadows that occasionally loom over the tranquil streets. It was against this backdrop that the lives of Dustin Duffy and Taylor Toller intersected, leading to a sequence of events that would send shockwaves through the city. Dustin Duffy was born into a blended family and traversed a tumultuous path marked by early signs of a volatile temperament. Raised alongside step-siblings, Dustin's intelligence was overshadowed by a simmering anger that manifested in acts of violence, manipulation, and brushes with the law. In his early years, Dustin exhibited signs of a complex temperament. Despite being acknowledged as the smart one in the family, there were ominous indications that intelligence alone couldn't temper the storm brewing inside him. A seemingly harmless incident during a night of video games exposed a violent undercurrent as Dustin, in a fit of rage over his brother teasing him about some drawings he had done, hurled a lighter with enough force to cut open his stepbrother's eyelid. That early display of aggression set the stage for a pattern of violence that would persist and escalate. As childhood gave way to adolescence, Dustin's manipulative tendencies began to surface. His family found themselves walking on eggshells, navigating the delicate balance required to avoid triggering his explosive temper. Instances of frustration over trivial matters, such as a denied request for a new phone, would escalate into verbal abuse and outbursts of anger. Despite his mother's attempts to intervene and seek therapy, Dustin remained resistant to external help. The trajectory of Dustin's life took a darker turn as he ventured into criminal activities. 
Reports of him rifling through unlocked cars hinted at a penchant for lawlessness that would later manifest into more severe transgressions. When he was 16 years old, Dustin was arrested after he and some friends stole some golf clubs, broke into the school, and used the clubs to smash the vending machine and steal its contents. That was Dustin's first arrest and would send him spiraling into a life of crime. His relationship with his brothers and stepfather bore the brunt of his unbridled aggression. Physical violence became a distressing norm within the family home. Astonishingly, though, the family restrained from pressing charges after his many outbursts. Dustin's foray into the world of boxing added another layer to the complexities of his character. The once-hidden rage now had a physical outlet giving him a potential to channel it into something constructive. Unfortunately, the training did nothing to curb his violent tendencies. In contrast, Taylor Toller, born on February 22, 1994, emerged from a different sphere of life, characterized by warmth, compassion, and an affinity for nurturing others. Taylor radiated cheerfulness and a bubbly personality. Her infectious smile and thoughtful demeanor endeared her to family and friends alike. She had a passion for childcare, her gentle nature drawing children to her. Taylor would eventually catch the attention of Dustin's stepbrother, Adam, and have a short-lived relationship with him before becoming involved with Dustin. Despite the awkwardness of seeing his ex-girlfriend forge a closer connection with his brother, Adam reluctantly accepted and even supported the budding relationship. But that relationship between Taylor and Dustin was far from idyllic. Their interactions were marked by tension and turbulence. Friends reported incessant arguments, and Dustin's contrasting personality had a notably negative impact on Taylor's once comfortable life. The relationship persisted for several years. As Dustin's anger management issues worsened, so did the strain on their relationship. In his 20s, Dustin began going to the gym, and it became an obsession. He would regularly go up to 10 times a week, and on top of that, he began using steroids in order to speed up the muscle-building process. Now, steroid use has been known to have a number of negative side effects, ranging from increased cholesterol to liver disease, but one of the known side effects is mood swings. Some people call it roid rage, which has been debated whether that exists or not, but even causing mood swings is enough to cause an already violent person to become more violent. It's safe to say that a person like Dustin would not have benefited from steroid use. The catalyst for this tale of horror was a 911 call that was made on the morning of July 31st, 2018. Uh, yeah, tell me exactly what happened, Dustin. Uh, I murdered my girlfriend in this apartment last week, and I murdered my parents this morning. And that is where I'm going to end it. And, per and, and what was the last part? And I murdered my parents this morning in their own home. Okay, and you're there right now? No, I'm at my girlfriend's apartment. At 2000 Apple Village? Yeah. Okay. Any weapons involved or mentioned there? Uh, I do have a weapon on me. What do you have on you? A knife. Any other weapons? That is all. And I got a bottle. I got a bottle of whiskey, but I sold it. And are you and everyone else safe right now? Everyone else is safe, yep. Where did this happen this morning? This morning? It happened at 10130 Hidden Valley Drive, Northwest.
Dustin Duffy had made a 911 call and let the operator know that he had murdered his girlfriend last week and then murdered his parents that morning. He remained surprisingly calm and he explains to the operator the details of what he had done. What happened this morning? Morning? To be quite honest, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know why I did it. What I did. And what did you do? I killed both of my parents. Is there anyone else in the home? No. So what happened there this morning? I stabbed both of my parents to death. Okay, I want you to keep me on the line, and when police come by, I want you to not have anything in your hands, okay? Well, I'm going to have my bottle on me and my smoke. Okay, and the bag with the knife in it, can you please leave that behind when police get there and just come out and talk to them? Yeah, can somebody take me upstairs so I can say goodbye? Okay. And you'll only have your phone and smokes? And my bottle. Okay. Though he doesn't give a reason, Dustin confessed to the murders of his girlfriend Taylor, his mother Sean, and stepfather Alan. The authorities, propelled by urgency and dread, rushed to two homes that would become the crime scenes in this case. The first chilling scene unfolded in Taylor's Applewood Park apartment. There, authorities discovered the lifeless body of the young woman with her throat gruesomely slit. An investigation revealed that she had been killed on July 26, 2018 and had remained where she had been killed for five days. The second crime scene unraveled in Hidden Valley, the residence of Sean and Alan. Sean's body, bearing six stab wounds, was discovered with a sheet thrown over her, a grotesque attempt to conceal the brutality. Alan, found in the bathroom, bore eight stab wounds and defensive wounds, a testament to the struggle that unfolded in the confines of his home. As the authorities surveyed the crime scene, a family dog, too, had fallen victim to the violence, though miraculously it had survived. The day before the first murder, surveillance cameras captured Dustin and Taylor going about their routine, seemingly ordinary in their interactions. The footage painted a facade of normalcy, concealing the storm that was about to erupt. Sometime after midnight on July 26th, the tranquility of Taylor's apartment was shattered. Armed with a knife, Dustin confronted Taylor in a nightmarish encounter that would predict what was in store for her only a few hours later. Freeze-framed security footage immortalized Taylor's fears, a silent testimony to the horror unfolding that night. As dawn broke on July 26th, Taylor's last moments were captured on camera at around 3 a.m. At some point after that, Dustin approached Taylor while she was in bed and used a knife to slit her throat. Then, he put the cover over her and left her in a pool of blood in her own bed. At about 5 a.m., Dustin left her apartment with a black bag and a bed-in-a-box mattress case concealing evidence from the crime he had just committed. After killing Taylor, days went by and her parents grew concerned at the lack of communication with her. She would normally speak to them regularly, and after about three days of radio silence, her parents called Dustin's parents to express their concerns. Now that his parents knew that Taylor was missing, it's likely he felt pressure to keep them quiet. But it's unclear since Dustin has never given a motive for his crimes.
On the morning of July 31st, 2018, a horrific scene unfolded at Sean and Allen's residence in Hidden Valley. The attacks happened sometime between 6 and 10.40 a.m. As Sean was sitting in the kitchen, she became the first victim, bearing the brunt of Dustin's fury with six stab wounds. In an attempt to erase the evidence, Dustin tried to clean the crime scene, dragging Sean across the room but giving up before he could hide the body. The horrors escalated when Alan descended the stairs, unknowingly walking into the path of his stepson's violent rage. An altercation ensued, marking Alan as the next victim with eight stab wounds. The attack moved into the bathroom, where Alan ultimately succumbed to his wounds. In an attempt to cover his tracks, Dustin employed household items, a mop, broom, vacuum, and carpet cleaner, to scrub away the blood from the scene. Seemingly devoid of remorse, Dustin shaved his head, took a shower, and changed his clothes, likely in an effort to change his appearance. With the weight of his deeds pressing upon him, Dustin embarked on a chilling journey. Seizing Alan's car, phone, and credit cards, he drove to Taylor's apartment, but entry eluded him. He was able to get into the main entry door, but hadn't brought the key to enter the inner door. Realizing that he wasn't going to be able to do anything to get away with his crimes, he dialed 911 and confessed to the three murders. In March of 2023, Dustin, then 27, entered a guilty plea on two counts of second-degree murder for the deaths of Taylor Toller and Sean Boshock, and one count of first-degree murder for the death of Alan Penny Legion. The courtroom, laden with grief and anger, became the stage for a tragic reckoning. During the sentencing hearing, Dustin, for the first time, displayed a semblance of remorse, shedding tears as victim impact statements were read in court. The judge, Justice Glenn Pullman, faced the challenging task of weighing the factors that would determine Dustin's fate. Despite Dustin's guilty plea, expression of remorse, and the absence of an adult criminal record, the court was compelled to confront the cold and methodical nature of the killings. The attempts to cover up the crimes painted a disturbing picture of a calculated individual capable of unspeakable acts. The torn fabric of familial ties and the devastation left in Dustin's wake cast a somber shadow over the proceedings. The courtroom was filled with family and friends of the victims, their eyes reflecting the anguish of lives irreparably altered. Alan Penny Legion's 25-year-old son, Adam, articulated a bittersweet acceptance of the sentence, stating that it brought him some measure of solace knowing the perpetrator would be behind bars likely for the rest of his life. Taylor's aunt, Kim Toller, acknowledged that justice in its truest sense could never be fully realized as her niece and the other victims could not be brought back. However, she expressed a tentative hope that the sentencing marked a starting point for closure and healing, a small step towards moving forward in the face of profound loss. The life sentence with no chance of parole for 35 years was a testament to the gravity of the crimes committed. Shane Parker, the senior prosecutor in the case, affirmed the fitness of the sentence, acknowledging Justice Pullman's reputation for wisdom and knowledge of the law. While the legal chapter of the Dust and Duthy triple murder case was closed, the scars left on the hearts of the family's victims and the community at large would endure as a haunting reminder of the fragility of human existence. The case is a stark reminder that darkness can infiltrate even the most ordinary corners of suburban life. In the aftermath of this chilling incident in Calgary, questions linger about familial bonds, human relationships, and the forces that drive such horrific acts. 
This case challenges our understanding of motive and rationality, leaving an unsettling void without a clear reason for Dustin's brutal actions. Addressing the root causes of domestic violence becomes an urgent imperative in the wake of this tragedy. The case prompts a collective conversation about family dynamics, mental health, and societal structures contributing to the escalation of violence within homes. While Dustin's sentencing delivers a measure of justice, it cannot fully heal the profound wounds inflicted on the families of Taylor, Sean, and Alan. It emphasizes that justice, even within a courtroom, has its limits in assuaging the pain wrought by such an unthinkable tragedy. As the sun sets over the Canadian Rockies, casting long shadows over Calgary, this case remains a haunting chapter in the community's memory. The challenge ahead is to transform anguish and sorrow into a collective commitment to foster empathy, awareness, and support for those affected by the devastating consequences of the actions of a monster. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. This website is set up so that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught seeking help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility. Call 911 or call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline by simply dialing 988 in the United States. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you may be facing. If you are a member of the LGBTQ community and suffering from discrimination, depression, or are in need of any support, please contact the LGBT National Hotline at 1-888-843-4564 or go to lgbthotline.org. Thanks so much for letting me tell you this story. If you enjoyed it, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, hit like, rate us, or leave us a comment. You can check out our other show, Somewhere Sinister, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, check out our merchandise at thisismonsters.com. The link is in the description. Thanks again, and be safe. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.